Exodus chapter 11, and we'll be reading half of chapter 11, or just under half, or just over half of chapter 11, and into chapter 12. Exodus chapter 11, and then we uh, read from verses 1 to 7, and proceed down into chapter 12 and verse 1. Exodus chapter 11 and verse 1. We read, And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbor, and every woman her neighbor, jewels of silver and jewels of gold, And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of the beasts. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue, against man or beast, that you may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Chapter 12 and verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a meal of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden it all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. That which remaineth of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. 
and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. We trust the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word. When John the Baptist stood upon the banks of Jordan, seeing the Lord Jesus coming toward him, he declared, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. It was a title, the Lamb of God, that was clearly understood by all who were gathered there that day. Every Jew knew right off just exactly what it was that John was referring to when he referenced the Lamb of God. You see, from the very beginning, God had taught that in order for men to be forgiven, a sacrifice had to be made and blood had to be shed. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way, Almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission, no forgiveness. So although all kinds of animals were sacrificed down through the centuries by the Jews, bulls and goats and birds, no animal was more prominent in that sacrificial system than that of a lamb. Every time a lamb was sacrificially offered, it was a picture of the Lamb who was to come, of Christ to come. And nowhere is that picture more clearly detailed and defined than in the book of Exodus and in the establishment of the Passover. Now the story of the Passover is at the heart of Jewish history. We know the story well. The Jews went into the land of Egypt and there they were held for 400 years, the greater bulk of that time being held and enslaved in Egypt by the pharaohs until in the end God raises up Moses as a deliverer. And Moses, under the command of God, goes into the pharaohs and he, into the pharaoh and he confronts the pharaoh and a battle ensues between the God of heaven and the gods of Egypt, which culminates in the death of every firstborn son throughout the land of Egypt with believing Jews alone being spared. Now from that time to this, the Jewish people have celebrated the Passover making the Passover the oldest religious festival in the world today. But far more importantly than that, what you have here is a picture and a prophecy. When John pointed toward Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world, he was tying Christ in with the events of Exodus chapter 11 and 12. Events that occurred some 1,500 years before the Lord Jesus was born. Now as God stipulated in the Passover, the Israelites would escape the touch of death if they were to follow the specifics of the Passover. If they were to yield themselves to the commands that were given to Moses in relation to their escape and their deliverance from the land. Now I want you to look with me in Exodus chapter 12 for a moment and I want you to see the characteristics of the Lamb. And the first thing I want you to see in verse 5 is is rather simple. It says that your Passover Lamb, the Passover Lamb, was to be without blemish. It says your Lamb shall be without blemish. That is, it was to be a Lamb that bore no bruises. 
It was to have no abrasions. It was to be perfect in every sense. No markings, no scarring, no blindness, no deafness, no lameness. There was nothing in that lamb that would set it aside as being ill uh, or in some way disabled. It had to be a perfect lamb in every sense. And if you brought anything less than a perfect lamb, you were failing in your duty before God on this Passover night. You know, when it comes to sacrificing to God, and this is as true for us as it is indeed, it was indeed for them, when it comes to sacrificing for God, you always, God always expects us to give our best. You know, many times we do as the people did in the book of Malachi and we bring less than our best to the Lord and we give the Lord the leftovers of our lives. But here we find that they were to bring the best, that the lamb was to be without blemish. You continue in that fifth verse, you see the second characteristic of the lamb. The Passover lamb was to be a meal of the first year. It says, your lamb shall be without blemish, A meal of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. That is, it was to be a firstborn lamb. It was to be the first lamb that a ewe had birthed. No other lamb would do. Now keep that thought in mind as we proceed. Then thirdly, the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed before the whole assembly. If you look at verse 6, it says, And you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Notice that. The whole congregation of Israel had to witness the death of of this lamb. Indeed, they had to keep the lambs in their property, keep their lambs before them for four days altogether. Because if you notice in verse 3, they began to enter into this process in the 10th day of the month. And by the time you get to verse 6, it says, and you shall keep the lamb until the 14th day of the month. So they kept the lamb around their property for four days. Why did they do that? Well, possibly to allow them time to examine the lamb, to make sure there was no blemish in the lamb, uh, to give time for the fullest observation of the lamb and preparation of the lamb. But also, I think, potentially, because the, 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 the purpose was, to, was designed to cause those people to become attached to the lamb, to learn to love the lamb. So that when the lamb died, every one of them had a sense of loss. You know, every now and then when, you're, when your kids are small, they ask you for a puppy, don't they? And, uh, you know, I always try to resist that, resist it. Resist, but there's always a day comes when you finally give in, isn't there? And you bring that puppy home. Now listen, when you bring that puppy home, there's no going back, is there? You know, you're not going to send it away again. Because the moment that little dog comes through the door, the children are all over it, aren't they? They're hugging it, they're kissing it, they're playing playing with it, they're throwing sticks and balls for it. And if you were to say to them, listen, we're getting rid of this puppy in four days' time, they wouldn't be happy. They wouldn't enjoy it. And so it was with the lamb. This little lamb was brought into the family home. It It was loved, it was nurtured there. And no doubt the children enjoyed playing with the lamb and cuddling the lamb and so on. But the the deal is that everybody had to see uh, the lamb. Everybody had to experience something of of the lamb. Then fourthly, the lamb, the Passover lamb, had to be killed outside the gate. 
That is beyond the city walls. It had to be uh, had to be killed outside of your own home, not within the perimeter of the walls. But the lamb was ultimately to die as an outcast, cut off from the bulk of the people. Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse 5, it says, Thou mayest not sacrifice the Passover within, thy, within any of thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. In other words, you weren't allowed to sacrifice it within your own city, within your own uh, perimeters. You had to take it beyond and outside the perimeter of where you lived to sacrifice the lamb. Then if you glance down to verse 46 of this chapter, you'll see another little interesting detail concerning this lamb. We read here in verse 46 a fifth characteristic of the Passover lamb, and that is it was to have no bone broken. It says, In one house shall it be eaten, thou shalt not carry forth aught of the flesh abroad out of the house, neither shall you break a bone thereof. Its body was to be kept intact. It was to be offered intact as a sacrifice. The whole lamb was to be given. You weren't just to cut off a leg or or take the breast, but you were to offer the entire lamb as you received it in a complete offering before God. Then sixthly, notice in verse, uh, verse 6 again of chapter 12 of Exodus, this lamb had a specific time of day in which it was to be sacrificed. It says, And you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it. Notice what it says, In the evening. Now we'll come back to that in a moment. But I want you to understand that phrase in the evening means literally in the Hebrew between the two evenings. Or if you like, at twilight. This lamb had to be sacrificed between two evenings. It has to be sacrificed at twilight. And then finally we find that the Passover lamb had to have its blood Applied. If you look again down the passage uh, to verse 22, uh, Moses prescribes, You shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood and that is in the basin and strike the lintel in the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin and none of you shall go out at the door of the house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in onto your houses to smite you. Now this was critical to the whole process. You see, if you just killed the lamb, but you didn't apply the blood, you'd be subject to the same judgment as the Egyptians. Everything had to be fulfilled. The lamb, having been sacrificed, had to be drained of its blood. Its blood was then put into a basin. It was brought to the entrance to your home. And its blood was painted on the side posts of your front door and on the head of the door, on the lintel of the door. Now year after year after year, for 1,500 years, the Jews rehearsed this procedure in their Passover holiday. In fact, as I said, they still do that to this day. So that when John the Baptist comes standing by the river of Jordan and he sees the Lord Jesus approaching him, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God 
that taketh away the sin of the world. So that those Jews who were gathered around him on that day were more than a little acquainted with the terminology that he used. They understood what was meant by the Lamb of God. They understood that he was saying something about sacrifice. Later on in the New Testament, The Apostle Paul, writing in the book of 1 Corinthians, says this, For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And John, writing in the book of Revelation, refers to Jesus as the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Now it's very easy to say these things. It's easy for Paul to write those words or for John to write those words. But here's the question I want to pose to you tonight. Does the Lord Jesus satisfy that designation? Can we say of him tonight that he truly is the Lamb of God? Can I say to you tonight that he is the Lamb of God and you and I should behold him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? You say, well, Pastor Moore, what makes you think that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God? Well, he has all of the credentials of the Lamb. Let's think about those characteristics and, uh, that we've just touched on, seven and all, and think about the Lord Jesus Christ and see if there are any parallels uh, between his experience and that which was prescribed here in Exodus chapter 12. The first thing we saw this evening was this. The Passover lamb was to be without blemish. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Verse 5. Now the Lord Jesus was without blemish. The Bible says so. The Apostle Peter writes this in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your feign, a conversation received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. Now listen to what he says. As of a lamb, without blemish and without spot. I want you to get that tonight. You see, you may search all you like, but you will find no fault in Christ. You will find no blemish in him. You will find no blot upon his record. You know, the man who condemned him to the cross admitted that. He admitted that Christ was an innocent man, that he was shedding innocent blood. Pilate's wife even dreamt of uh, the Lord Jesus the night before his crucifixion and came and warned her husband and says, have nothing to do with this just man. He's innocent. Even, Even the man who betrayed him Judas Iscariot said, I have betrayed the innocent blood. He had to acknowledge that Christ was without blemish, that there was no condemnation that could be laid upon his door. No man could find fault with him. You see, friends, Jesus never lied. Jesus never lusted. Jesus never swore. Jesus never hated anyone without cause. He was never envious. He was never proud. He was never covetous. He was never drunk. He never gambled. He was never hypocritical. He never stole anything. You search him out. He's without blemish. He's without spot. He's the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Not only that, the Passover Lamb was to be a meal of the first year. Does the Lord Jesus fulfill that credential? 
Indeed he does. He was the firstborn son of Mary. You know, we could say that Mary had a little lamb, that his fleece was white as snow, that he was born without sin. That's the whole purpose, or one of the purposes of the virgin birth. You know, by being born of a virgin, he bypasses the meal, the meal input into the uh, reproduction process. And so he's born without sin. He's born without sin nature. Sin passes by the meal uh, genes down through the uh, generations. But the Lord bypassed all of that. And Christ was born of the Virgin Mary. So that he was born absolutely spotless. If you and I might be said, behold, I was shapen in, in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. But that could never be said of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, what can be said of him is what the writer of Hebrews says of him. He was holy. He was harmless. He was undefiled. He was separate from sinners. You see, friends, Jesus really is the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. And then the third credential that we looked at, the third characteristic that we looked at in the third credential is that the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed before the whole assembly of the congregation. Everybody had to witness its death. You know, when you read the account of our Lord's final days, They begin with him celebrating the Passover meal with his disciples. And this is the moment when Judas goes out into the night to betray him. But we forget that that uh, that week, lots of Jewish people were celebrating the Passover. That it wasn't just Jesus and his disciples who were celebrating the Passover, but literally hundreds and hundreds of Jews were celebrating. Many thousands of Jews were celebrating the Passover that week. If you open up your Bible to the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, it tells us that there was at that time dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, listen to what it says, out of every nation under heaven. That's not coincidental. That's not an insignificant detail. The truth is that God brought these Jews from all over the ancient world to Jerusalem on this precise day. He brought them at that precise moment so that they could witness the death of his love. Every strata of Jewish society was there. All of them represented at the cross from the high priest of Israel to the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees all the way down to those thieves that were hanging by his side to the drunkards who sang with glee at his demise. All of them were there. Matthew chapter 27, when Pilate desirous to get him off the hook, desirous to let him go, declares to the gathered crowd, what shall I do then with Jesus which is called Christ? Here's what the scripture says. They all say unto him, let him be crucified. The whole assembly says, let him be crucified. The whole of the congregation of Israel says, let him be crucified. You see, he died before the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel so that we say tonight, behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. And fourthly, the Passover Lamb had to be killed outside the gate. Remember those words in Deuteronomy 16 and 5 concerning the Passover Lamb? Thou mayest not sacrifice the Passover within any of thy gates. 
which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Where was Jesus crucified? Where is that place that we call Calvary? Where exactly did the Lord Jesus die? Well, you can read specifically where he died in the book of Hebrews in chapter 13 and, and verses, uh, verses 12 and 13. It says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered, now listen to what it says, without, outside the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his repose. Here's what the writer of Hebrews is telling us. He's telling us that the Lord Jesus fulfills the credentials of the Passover lamb. That he was crucified outside the gates of Jerusalem. Now you can go and visit Jerusalem today. And you can see the, the gates of Jerusalem. Many of them are still there. You walk through them in and out of them as you, as you tour the city. There are two sites that would claim to be the potential sites of Christ's crucifixion. One is the, in the church of the Holy Sepulchre, and the other one is at the garden tomb in, in what's known as Gordon's Calvary. I personally believe that the second is a more likely site than the first. But nevertheless, whether you hold to the first or to the second, here's the key thing. Both sites are outside the city wall. When you go to Gordon's Calvary, you can see right there a hillside that, that uh, has the markings, the shapings of a skull upon it. Golgotha's Hill uh, was the place of the skull. And we know from history that people were crucified at that particular place. They were crucified at the foot of that hill. And actually, right across the street from it is the Damascus Gate entering into Jerusalem. You see, the Lord Jesus really is the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He had to be killed outside the gate. You know, almost 175 years ago, a young woman by the name of Cecil Francis Alexander, sitting in the city of London, Derry, looking out over the historical walls of the city, surrounded by the rolling green hills of, uh, of London, Derry, and her, her mind was cast back to this truth concerning her Savior. And she thought and meditated upon the fact that the Lord was crucified outside the walls. And she wrote that hymn, There is a green hill far away without a city wall where the dear Lord was crucified who died to save us all. Jesus really is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And then the Passover Lamb was to have none of its bones broken. We read that in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 46. If you look with me now in John's gospel chapter 19. John's gospel in chapter 19. John's Gospel, chapter 19, look at verse 31. It says, The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was in high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. 
But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he saw that it bare record, and his record is true. And he knoweth what that he saith is true, that you may believe. For all these things were done, that the scripture might be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. When you're reading that passage, you have to understand the process of crucifixion. When people were crucified, they didn't so much die from the blood loss as they died from suffocation. They died in their own blood. They gurgled to death in their own blood. And so what they would be doing as they were hanging on that cross, there was a little platform at the, at the foot of the cross or they would use the nails through their ankles and they would push themselves up to get a breath. As their lungs began to fill, they pushed themselves up. (gasps) (gasps) The Roman soldiers, wanting to expedite the death of those three men on those crosses that day, were discharged by their commander to go and break the bones of those victims. And the purpose of that was simply that they couldn't push themselves up anymore, that they would be sunk down. And would effectively drown in their own blood. But they got to the Lord Jesus. And they saw that he was dead already. And one soldier just to be sure. Plunged the spear into his side. And the Bible says there came forth blood and water. And you know it's very interesting that water also came out with the blood. Those who are medics will tell us that that is a consequence of a ruptured heart. It was a broken heart friends. When the Lord Jesus was upon the cross. When he was given his life for us. His great heart was breaking. And he says behold the Lamb of God. taketh away the sin of the world. Your sin. My sin. Embodied in one glorious person on a cross called Calvary's tree. The Passover lamb was to have none of its bones broken. And then sixthly, The Passover lamb must die at a very specific time. Now I want to leave the Exodus narrative for a moment. I don't want you to turn there. But I want to speak to you a moment about Daniel, the book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 9, I think, I believe it's verse 26. Daniel tells us there are 69 weeks that are determined upon the death of Christ, by which time Christ will be cut off. He says, from the moment a decree is given, a command is given for the rebuilding of Jerusalem until the Messiah is cut off will be 69 weeks. Those are weeks of years, 483 years precisely. Now understand that when Daniel records those words, he is dwelling in, uh, he is dwelling in Persia. He was taken to Babylon as an exile. He was held in Babylon. The Babylonians were then overrun by the Persians. The Persians are now in charge of Daniel's life and the lives of all the Jews who are in captivity. And he tells them that there's coming a time, Daniel tells them, there's coming a time when a king will come along and he will make a commandment. And the commandment decree will be that the, that the city of Jerusalem should be rebuilt. 
And he tells you exactly when that's going to happen. He says, from the time the king gives this decree until the, the time that, that until uh, the end of 69 weeks, it will bring about the death of the Messiah. He will, the Messiah will be cut off. Now we know historically what happened here. King Cyrus comes along, he gives a decree that the Jews can now leave Persia and return to their homeland of Jerusalem. Indeed, he encourages them to do so. He helps them to do so. And Nehemiah and others come back and build the city walls. But as they're building the temple, the work on the temple ceases. And the walls sit basically in dereliction for about a hundred years until another Persian king comes along, King Artaxerxes. And King Artaxerxes in 445 BC pronounces that the city of Jerusalem must be rebuilt. And so if you take a timeline using Jewish years, if you use the 360 days of a Jewish calendar, and you take a timeline 483 years from the time that King Artaxerxes makes this decree, it brings you up to 32 AD. Daniel is telling these Jewish people all the way back in the Old Testament, all the way back in the land of Babylon, all the way back in the time of their captivity. He's telling them, listen, when Christ comes, he'll come in 32 AD and he'll be crucified he'll be cut off he tells them the exact year of his death and now we get to Exodus chapter 12 and it tells you the precise time of year of his death that it will will occur during the Passover The precise time of year of his death will occur during the time of the Passover. Of all the days the Lord Jesus could have been put to death, of the 360 days that are available on a Jewish calendar, he was put to death on a particular day. Listen to John chapter 18 and verse 39. It says, But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Those are the words of Pontius Pilate. In chapter 19 and verse 14, it says, And it was the preparation of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, Pilate says unto the Jews, Behold your king. You see, twice the Bible says it to you. It was the Passover. It's the precise year. It's the precise time of year. But it's the precise day of the year. The Passover day. But I want you to get this. It's the precise time of that day. That Exodus gives us. You see the lamb. Was to be sacrificed. Remember. In the evening. Literally between. The two evenings. And in Jewish tradition. There are uh, two moments. That are considered as an evening. In any given day. The moment the sun begins to set. The moment the sun begins to go down in the sky. At noontime. That's considered the first evening. And then as the sun falls and goes beneath the horizon, that's the second evening. And then you understand that in Jewish tradition, the Jews don't mark the clock as you and I mark the clock. We start our day at 12 o'clock midnight until 12 o'clock the next midnight. But the Jews, they began their day at 6 o'clock in the evening. Right the way through to 6 o'clock in the morning till 6 o'clock in the evening. 
And so the Bible is going to tell us precisely when the Lord Jesus died. And it's very interesting because we know from Scripture that he dies precisely at 3 p.m. He dies in the ninth hour. That is, from 6 o'clock in the morning, 9 hours forward is 3 p.m. Well, look, understand this. If the first evening is midday, and according to Jewish tradition, the second evening is 6 p.m., and Christ dies in the evening or between the two evenings, he literally dies at 3 p.m. The Bible is telling you that the Lord Jesus is telling the Jews that the Lord Jesus was to come. He was to come in 32 AD, that he would be put to a cross in that year on the Passover day, and he would expire precisely at 3 p.m. Do you see? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Finally, the Passover lamb had to have its blood applied. Listen to verse 22 of Exodus chapter 12. You shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel, that is the head of the door, and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. Earlier in that chapter, God had told them, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Now, I want you to see the imagery. Here comes the father of the home. He's went and he's sacrificed the pet lamb out beyond the city wall, out beyond the, the, the perimeter of his, of his dwelling place. He drains the blood of the lamb into a basin. He comes back to the little boys and girls, to the mom in the home. He has a basin of blood from their pet lamb. And he sets that basin at the doorway to his home. And he takes hyssop, which is a herb. And he dips that herb into the blood and he begins to paint the the head of the door, the, 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 the lintel of the door. He paints the blood on the, on the top of the door and then he dips it again and he paints it on the side and then he dips it again and he paints it on the other side. Do you see what's going on here? There's a picture that is being painted. He is going up and across. He's going up and across. He's going up and across. Here we are 1,500 years before Christ comes along and God shows them that on 32 AT, on the Passover day, at three o'clock in the afternoon, the Lamb of God will die upon a cross. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The Lord Jesus came. Because of your sin and my sin, he gave his back to the smiters. Surrendered his body to the cross. There he shed his precious blood that your sins might be forgiven. He might make a way into heaven for you and for me. There he paid your sin debt. He paid all the wrongs of your life. He paid for all the pride that's in our hearts, for all of the filthy things that we've ever said, for all of the lies that we've ever told, for all of the sin that is mounted up upon our person. He gave his blood 
so that we say, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now, what are you going to do with Jesus? I want you to go back to Exodus chapter 12 for a moment as we close out. And I want you to notice some definitive terms. I want you to notice carefully the wording. You see, the Holy Spirit is always very careful in his wording. And under inspiration of Scripture, Moses, as he recounts these events, writes of the Lamb. And I want you to notice what he says. Look in verse 3. He says, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man. Notice what it says. Alam. Alam. According to the house of their fathers. Alam for an house. In verse 4 he says, If the household be too little for the Lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of their souls. And verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish a meal of the first year. Did you notice that? A lamb, the lamb, your lamb. You see, for many people in the world, Jesus is just a lamb. Just one more religious leader among many religious leaders. Just one more prophet among many prophets. Just one more moral teacher among many moral teachers. He's just a lamb. No different from the Buddha. No different from Muhammad. No different from any other prophet you care to name. Maybe that's where you're at tonight. Maybe for you, Jesus is just another one. Just a historical figure that makes no difference to your life. But then for some, and this may be true for you tonight, he's the Lamb. You say, well, I can see it. I can see that Jesus is the Son of God. I can see that he came and he died for me upon the cross of Calvary. I understand that he gave his blood. I believe that he was buried and rose again the third day. I accept that Jesus is different from all the other religious teachers that have ever come our way down through the generations. I accept that he is the Son of God, that he is the Savior, that he is the Lamb. You know what your problem is? It's your faith is all up here. He's just the Lamb. And here's the real question. Isn't it time you made him your Lamb? A Lamb? The Lamb? Your Lamb? Have you applied the blood? You see, it was no good for those Jews just to kill the lamb and leave it lying there. It was no good to come and say, well, God, I sacrificed the lamb. Well, they had to sprinkle the blood. They had to apply the blood. They had to make that lamb be a sacrifice for them. And so it is with the Lord Jesus Christ. Is he your lamb tonight? 
Can you say, well, I have trusted him. I know him. I have believed upon him. Listen, don't give me that I I said a prayer. Don't give me I was christened or baptized or confirmed. Don't give me I'm a church member. Don't say, well, I believe what the Constitution says. Listen, is he your lamb? Do you know him or don't you not know him? Because if he's not your lamb, you're going to be judged with the rest of the world. You say, but I'm a Protestant. You know what? God doesn't care. You say, well, I was baptized as a baby. God doesn't care. You say, well, I was baptized as an adult. Listen, you can be baptized till your skin goes like a peach. It makes no difference. Is he your lamb? Is he your lamb? John in in Revelation chapter 5 has a vision of heaven. And in that vision he sees the Lord Jesus sitting upon his throne. And he writes this concerning him. He says, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps with golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song. And I want you to listen to this song, saying... Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood, by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign in the earth. Understand that they were saying of this lamb, that he's our lamb, that he's worthy of our lives, that he's worthy of our worship, that he's worthy of our dedication, that he's worthy of our hearts. Worshipped him as the lamb who was slain. Hey, is he really worthy in your mindset? Is he worthy of your life? Is he worthy of your love? Is he worthy tonight of your soul? Is he your lamb? Your saviour? You see, that's what makes the difference between heaven and hell. Between lost and saved. Between forgiveness and condemnation. Tonight I say to you, dear friends, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And I urge you tonight, if you haven't already done so, Make God's lamb your lamb and cry out to Christ this evening. May God bless these thoughts to your hearts tonight.